1: Welcome to Performance Anxiety. This week I speak with Eric Sandin. He performs with the bands Buttercup and Demitas. We talk about the performance art side of playing live. Sometimes it's inspirational, sometimes you get hotboxed. Eric tells me how and why Demitas grew from Buttercup and which song took over 20 years to record. They have some beautiful videos done by Emmy Award winning filmmaker Alejandro De Hoyos. And you can find everything at wearebuttercup.com and wearedemataz.com. Follow us at Performance ANX, and now relax and get ready for the happiest sad music you've ever heard with Eric Sandin.
2: This is Eric Sandin, and uh, I am of the band Buttercup and the band Demitas And you are listening to me speak on performance anxiety. Hi.
1: I wanted to thank you for joining me tonight. This is uh I I really got into this album. That was really interesting. It's it's so different from a lot of of what I listen to. It's it's very unique in that respect.
2: Right. Um yeah, it's a acquired taste. It may not be for <laughs> every, <it> may <laughs> not be for everyone. But uh
1: yeah. Before we get too much, too far into it, I want to know a little bit more about how you got to the point of making that album. So uh, I want to know a little bit more about things like, uh, how did you get started in music? What was your first instrument? I mean, were you playing as a kid or did it take a little longer?
2: No, I was playing as a kid. Um, I I started probably when I was 14 years old and played the ninth grade talent show. And um, I played with my friend, um, Eric Messel and his father played bass Oh, and his dad was in a rock band that was um, called uh, Flies on Fire from L.A. I would, this was in, in Glendale, California. Okay. And um, his uh, his dad was on Atco Records. Had his incredible record. I mean, his dad was really cool to play with us little kids.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
2: And to play Wild Thing. It was the only thing that we could play. You know, <laughs> Blue-Sweat Blue Shoes. It's awesome.
3: Oh, that is great.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we. I, I've been playing um, since... Well into last century and into this one, and uh, it's it's you know it, it's it's I, I don't know if it's an evolution or a de-evolution to get to where the Demitasse record is right. Yeah. Um, it, it's hyper minimal. It it sounds sad, but but honestly, like someone asked a question, you do you, in another interview, and they like so you know why why are all these songs sad? And I was like, are they? Um and, and and I don't mean that um sarcastically, <laughs> like I actually don't really think they fundamentally are, that they are more um kind of stubbornly optimistic. But there is this I mean, it just to me, I, I said like the analogy was like uh that recognition of the beauty in life while you're sweeping up the broken glass after whatever that is. You know? Okay. I like that. And, and, yeah, and it it's it's this feeling of the like I mean these um Poignant moments in our lives of that are imbued with with beauty and meaning that sometimes we don't even understand what they really mean. It's kind of unconscious. And I think that the, a lot of those songs are like that.
1: I you know that's a great point. And I, I would definitely agree. Um, now I want to find out a little bit more about how you got into Buttercup. How did that all right. progress? Because Demitas is basically you and Joe Reyes from Buttercup, correct?
2: Correct. And and so Buttercup, you know, is like if we were to say what would, Well, Buttercup is, is this life affirming art rock band, probably in the vein of the Flaming Lips or a band like that, where um, yes. you have these like bigger kind of semi psychedelic pieces of, of, of music and then you have this performative part of what we do and so um, in Buttercup we were always challenging ourselves to do these insane performances like where um, we did a, a signature piece we called audience of one where we <laughs> take people one at a time um, and perform to them in a back room we'd, we'd send it somebody out front to DJ and then it would take all night I mean, and we would prescribe a song, you know, they would come back and we'd ask a series of, of incisive questions and have a giant list of songs on the wall that we could choose from. And we would play, and it really, uh, you know, we would play based on what they needed that day, you know, so like music therapy, we called, we, we called it the song confessional one night. It's all the same thing, but it was the idea um, was also that it would invert it because, you know, in the other way you know if you're a band and you're playing you're wildly i mean hopefully wildly outnumbered by the audience
1: yeah hopefully
2: (laughs) in this case um you are are um you're outnumbering them and it puts it in they almost you know are uncomfortable at first because like what they've not been in a back room with a band like you know yeah there's four uh, four of them looking at this one person but um we had people cry. I mean, it was incredible. You know, like like these kind of like really beautiful moments, and um, you know, some gutsy calls. Something you know, like like the bass player Odie would come up with, like I think we need to play this song. And I was thinking like we need to play a cheer up kind of song for this this person who's grieving. And he's like, "No, let's go right into it." And he was right. You know, I mean, things like that. It was really cool.
1: That's really innovative. That I've never heard of another band doing anything even remotely similar to that. That's amazing.
2: Yeah, it's ridiculous, but (laughs) ridiculous um, is another word for it. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous, but like awesome. And so we would sit and you would think that there was probably a lot of pot involved in these, these, (laughs) these, um, brainstorming (laughs) sessions, but they really, it was more like us just coming up with like, what, I mean, what would we do? What would we want to see in a performance that would just upend everything? And, and so, um, And we had a weekly gig that we called Grackle Monday, and it was Mm -hmm. an art gallery in San Antonio. And that's how we started. And so each week, I was adamant about like we cannot be doing the same thing every week, where we just play the same songs and stand there like a band, right? Even even though, honestly, some of my favorite things was going seeing the same band every week. I mean, that that, like certain bands in San Antonio that I grew up on, like that, at least in college this band, the infidels, they played every Wednesday, the same set, but it was awesome. And it was just yeah. like, we all went to this, to the taco land, to the club and saw the, the band and, and I watched them, but we, I didn't want to do that. And, um, and so we, we just made each performance really radically different, you know? Yeah. I mean, we, we did things like where one night we played all our songs backwards. Oh my um, God. Before, um <laughs> <laughs> and we wore our clothes backwards we, um, oh, man. The, I mean, and, and so they weren't all just like backwards. Some of them were, we learned the way the set, the, we, we reversed the tape to hear what the words would sound like backwards and then learned them that way. Oh, so we actually God. sang the words backwards, but the chord structure was forward. Oh my But God. another one was like just thematically, we took a song that was like, say about female friendship and made it about hatred between men. And like, just like we, we made it backwards from what its core was right, we, right. the music the same i mean we just we did everything differently um that is that's amazing. buttercup you know i mean we did a show where we, <laughs> we um we broke and violated every superstition
1: <laughs> and um, like what? okay so give me give me an example
2: well the crowd had to come in and walk under a ladder as oh, they, entered the, they entered the club <laughs> they had to like and as they came in they, there there's a black cats running in the front across their paths i spilled an entire thing of salt while playing and, and then i smashed a mirror with a um with a with a hammer and stuck my feet on the, uh, my 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 shoes on the table which is another like big no-no oh um God. in the south you know i just did all this crazy stuff but I, I think that breaking of the mirror gave us like that's that's why our record hot love went in the toilet um <laughs> Well, you know,
1: no. you break, you, you do enough of those things. One of them is bound to actually be bad.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, Hot Love was a great record, but we had, we really did have some bad luck with a manager, and it was like a crazy, crazy time um, that 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 hurt us after this record that we, I think, is our, our best record. But um, you know, and then we broke our backs. We put out seven EP. You know, th- excuse me, three EPs in in like seven months wow. and um and and that was a period where we were working working and those all just like they didn't even really register i mean i think they did in south texas but they didn't go beyond because our manager was like stealing from us and not sending oh, them out geez. like you know yeah i found out later um come on so uh, like, like a local pray version
1: of pledge music
2: well, um now what what about pledge music
1: As- Pledge Music was doing the similar thing with the uh, artists, where they were taking all the money oh. from the uh, from the, the people pledging and not giving it to the artists, and then things weren't going out. It was oh, they did that. Yeah, yeah. There's a huge thing. A, a buddy of mine had uh, Kelly Scott from Failure. He yeah. uh, he got hit.
2: I remember yeah. Failure.
1: Yeah, oh, they're still around, man. They put out a. They just put out a new album. Well, they put out one in 2014 and one last year. Oh, awesome. And they're working on another one. So they, yeah, there's like a 14 year gap between fantastic planet and their uh, one from 2014, but they're, they're back together putting out uh, all kinds of stuff. But they got, uh, yeah, they got nailed for like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. They lost, they lost literally about 60 grand from Pledge Music.
2: Oh, that's heartbreaking.
1: And then, and nobody got any of the, uh, music at least not the physical copies. See what they would do is they were releasing their last album as four, four song EPs. And then once they released the fourth EP and they were releasing them all digitally, once the fourth one was released, you could, they would, uh, give you, you would get sent the vinyl or the CD or whatever, uh, format you had purchased. And so we got the music digitally, but nobody ever got any physical copies and right. they let, stole all the money yeah and uh, Swerve Driver went through the same thing a uh, wow. ho- whole bunch of bands got, there's a big lawsuit Ken Andrews was going nuts over just posting all kinds of stuff about it it was wow. it was a huge mess
2: well uh, yeah I, I used to love my failure t-shirt oh I was my t-shirts just yeah. to walk around with failure on my for on me my <laughs> <perfect laughs> at the time <laughs> so,
1: yeah same <laughs> so, that and I had the old, the, the, uh, old sub pop loser shirt too
2: yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Very cool.
1: So, all right, so how long were, were you in Buttercup before you and Joe decided that you needed to do something together and, and, and create Demitas?
2: So, um, Demitas happened in 2009 and 10. So, it, um, Demitas is an accident, it is an accidental pregnancy okay in every way um and and all the albums are an accident honestly um the uh it started because our drummer was leaving buttercup in that year 2009 2010 we just recorded the album the weather here produced by um our friend salim narala up in dallas Okay. And, and so we were needing to push this record. Um, my father got very ill. And so I was flying back and forth. He had, uh, he had, uh, leukemia. And so we were, wow. um, going, I, I was coming back into San Antonio and trying to get with the band. Um, I was writing all these songs at that time and they were all kind of these, uh, they were just sketches and I wasn't like connecting with the rest of the band, And with the drummer wanting to kind of like leaving at the time, Joe was there and just like, let's record these, let's record these. And they were demos and they were done very, very fast, like in and out where I would be able to be with them for three, four hours. And so we would record a song in three or four hours. So we, we, um, and we were eschewing like all the typical things that you would do with recording, like, like having a metronome, tuning your guitar, being you know, like <laughs> thinking about the song in advance, knowing what you're going to play or sing those kinds of things. And so we did it very quickly. And that became those recordings sat there and um, we lost the drummer and buttercup was kind of floundering around for a while. Um, but we, but we, we continued to, to work, but, but we had this whole recording done called, and we called it blue medicine and we put it out in 2014. So it just sat there. Um, and it was not intended to be anything. And I said, this is something it's of its own. And so we called it demi-tasse which means half of a cup is mm-hmm. it half of buttercup. Oh, okay. And, okay. Uh, you know, and, and, and I thought, okay, that's what that is. Um, and we put it out because we were urged by some of my friends who had heard it that, that just said, you know, like, this is one of the best things you've done. It's beautiful. It's its own thing. Put it out. And so we did that. And then the following couple of records happened because like our bass player was on tour for extended time with the, he plays with a lot of like great bands with guarantee caps oh, cool. with the Hickoids And so he's like in Europe or this or there. And then like, it would happen at these times where like a bunch of songs would pop out of me or Joe and, or both of us. And so we just recorded And stud So the next two records are also accidents. Like, uh, <laughs> you, you know, the, the one that happened, this, this perfect life record was recorded in a month and, it, and it was done real fast the same way. Like, I mean, we were probably building up a song in three, four hours. There's not wow. much, or, uh, you know, there's not much to the songs. Like we had, the song would be built up, very quickly because I play the guitar and sing while Joe plays the guitar and sings the backup. I mean, we sing together like, um, and then we just add things real quickly. Like I go over to the piano mm-hmm. and he'll play bass at the same time. that's more expedient. We'll put on headphones or we just actually just play it out the speakers. We don't even wow. use, yeah, we just use dynamic mics. It doesn't matter. And then, uh, because we have all the, the bleed doesn't really matter. We do it, you know, monitor kind of quietly and just play yeah. We almost never use headphones. Um, and just boom, boom, boom. And then usually at night I'll start getting mixes at like four in the morning, five in the morning, Joe will start, he'll be up all night oh adding gosh. extra stuff, you know, wow. just like and the songs done wow. you know, by the next morning. And I'm like, wow. And, and, you know, he's such a quick musician and, and, um, really incredibly competent. So he, he can lay on top. And it's an interesting challenge because, you know, like the, the rhythmic stuff, the piano that we use is out of tune. It was like, it was an old honky tonk. And so we have to kind of like, we tune by ear to that. That like oh kind of gosh, gives wow. the record, the, the, you know, the sound that it has. So, you know, I mean, there's these moments, like the first song, Flamenco. We recorded that. And I think that's the second take. Probably the, the first time is me basically showing the song to Joe and fumbling through it. And then the next time we hit it, and he actually messed up. There's like a channel that's open. So there's a lot of hiss on that song, but it's just the way it sounds. And yeah. that's what happened. For
3: my. Just like the rest of us. But the crack in the cup lets the dim light through.
2: And I mean, I cried. So I think, like, while it happened and went to tape, like, I was feeling such emotion, you know, just, I mean, not like breaking down crying, but just like a little, yeah. you know, that little thing that's happening where your ear, the eyes are welling up and you're like, you know, the, you're getting like the, the the crawling feeling up your arms and everything and up the back of your neck. And uh, I was like, this is amazing. And, I, you know, we just knew we had it and just move on and use this imperfect skeleton. Yeah.
1: So when, when you're thinking of, of, of music, I mean, are you going into the studio with absolutely nothing? And then you think, all right, we're going to do we're going to do dematas right now or is it like a just an idea that you've had for a while that that you work out and with a couple of takes in the studio
2: yeah usually it's probably a, more of an idea okay um, like um now but some of the songs are really not ready um the song perfect life I had the idea of a haircut that I like, I had had this memory of having a haircut with my father. And I don't know why that would kept like just bubbling up. Like we were both sitting in the barber chairs in California and I remember the sun being perfect. And, and it wasn't like anything special about it. We had probably, you know, dozens of haircuts like that together. Yeah. Um, Cause he would take me to the, barber and we would go and it was like in glendale california it was still like somehow in the 1950s in the 1980s you know yep and even though you know i was like moving towards like starting to want to hear punk rock and all this stuff but there was this i don't know, just nostalgic feeling and and i came with you know just a a bunch of like scribbled words all over the paper i had the idea that it was like this bluesy chord structure, but had no idea of a melody. And then the song really doesn't have a melody, but um, we just, I made it up on the spot and Joe, this is what's crazy. He put in the drums to that live. So he just, he didn't even know how it goes. And <laughs> I showed it to him once. I didn't know how it goes. And he just said, why don't I play drums? And I was like, really? That's going to bleed all over everything. And he's like, yeah. And he just played the <laughs> drum and you can actually hear him. He kind of messes. He doesn't know that I'm going to sing. He starts to come in a little early and it sounds right to me now. It's just, and it gave it this energy because I have this like vibe of like, we're doing this. So I sang that live and played the acoustic guitar while he played drums. And then we built all the other stuff on top of it, like fast.
1: God, see, this is why I love doing this, this show because I thought this was a really cool album to begin with, but hearing the development of this stuff and how what goes on behind the scenes is making it even better. Cool. I'm absolutely right. loving this. So you have a couple of songs here that that you dedicated to people. So you have a yeah. song for Kurt Cobain and a song for Alex Honnold. Yeah. So how did that come about? Were you? I mean, since they're dedicated to them, I guess technically, um, "Little Blonde Boy" is for uh, is for Kurt and "Free Solo" for Alex. Did did you go into the studio with that kind of a, a thought in mind or were you writing it and then say, you know what? It, this is making me think of these guys.
2: This is a good question. Uh, both the, for the little blonde boy, the original title was Kurt Cobain <laughs> and Alex, the, the, um, free solo. That title was Alex Honnold. Um, and so that's what I had written. So I was totally thinking about those two guys on those songs. And, um, uh, Little Blonde Boy is Kurt Cobain, right? But it's also about me and my own childhood. Sorry, your family was so cruel.
3: Although this song is a formal tragedy. There
2: is an uplift in the But, but not, I mean, I had, I had lovely parents. Um, I think Kurt Cobain, I don't know. Have you seen Montage of Heck that? Um,
1: no, not yet. I've heard so many differing opinions on that.
2: It's, it's incredible. It's tough to yeah. watch, but his, his journals are animated. It is, um, it's incredible. I, you know, hats off to Courtney Love for opening up her storage space with all the Kurt stuff and his effects and his demo tapes and saying like, do what you want with it. All the videotape, just, just make what you're going to make. You're an artist. And that documentarian, I think he's a, a French guy came in and just made this incredible piece, but in it, you know, it's, I might be a little harsh to his family in that song, but there is a sense that he was, I don't feel like he was as a child was, was, paid enough attention to. Um, I'm going to put it lightly.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: But it just, it's this gnawing feeling that you feel, I felt like he was failed and I liked Kurt Cobain so much. Um, I just, you know, he, when failure was out, I was probably like 19. Uh, and that's when like all that was happening, right? Like the sub pop stuff. And so, um, I remember at that time, I was in college in San Antonio and um, Kurt Cobain was exploding and I had the Bleach record and I just listened to that over and over and really admired him and then uh, he came and played the Liberty Lunch in Austin and I went uh, and after the show he smashed his amp and he (laughs) ran backstage and and my band had actually played the Liberty Lunch before, my band from college and so I knew that spot. We had done a A tour already opening for um the tragically hip, and so we got to play um the liberty lunch, which was way out of our like (laughs) normal thing. But (laughs) the hip did it, and and so I kind of knew what the place was. So I just jumped up on the stage and ran to the backstage like I belonged there. Yeah, (laughs) and I just wanted to like go like yeah, I was a kid. I was just like I'm gonna go say hey to Kurt. Yeah, and um I had I had written a song called um before that called i'm not old enough to die tonight for him i said but i didn't write for him my band evergreen okay i wrote a song i think it'd be good for you and he was alone in the um green room but it was like a dream it was just me and him he was sitting there holding his stomach and he was tired and he was so patient with me and i told him about the song he's like i'd like to hear it and he's like can you play it and I was like, yeah, and all his guitars are left handed. I um, couldn't do that. So I played it on one of the bass players' basses. Bases. I played a country song on the bass while trying to sing. It was awful. It was super embarrassing, but I was like, I don't know. At that time, I was fearless. I just, you know, whatever. And then he's like, look, and then I was like fumbling around. It's like, man, I'm messing up. And he's like, it's okay. It's okay. He's like, I'll tell you what, mail it to me, man. Record it on, he's like, well, did you write it? like like read music i'm like dude i can't read music and he's like good me neither <laughs> and then he said and he gave me an address and he said mail it to me and of course i never did oh um, wow but i would if it was me now i i send letters all the time now but at the time i was just a, a kid um yeah. and and i was a kid with long hair that looked just i cut it to look just like kurt you know I was really <laughs> that. so he was a, he was a you know one of my heroes um so that song is kind of for him, okay, um, and well, totally for him, and and just like how I mean, I still listen to his songs but when they come on, and and I think like, man, he could write. <laughs> yeah, like, Emmy's melodies like so good. He's yeah. so funny.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had the, it was weird. I had a Bruce Pavitt on a while back now, and he he's talking about touring with him in Europe. They're like his first big European tour. <laughs> it was, it was, he was he was hilarious. He said it was great. It was so much fun. So it's yeah. it's the side of of him that I don't think a lot of people realize. They just see the brooding guy like, who, who hated being a star.
2: Right, and and there was that. But man, he was fun. I mean, like. His, so I have a copy of this journalist and they're just so laugh out loud funny when he, he has uh, like, I mean, he's studying for his driver's test, like you know, to get his first driver's life and like how thorough he was writing all the stop signs and the different kinds of signs and road like, <laughs> rules. And I mean, and, but there, there's this cheeky style. It's really, really, really funny. Um, see montage of heck Mark. You'll, I think you'll, uh, really oh. like, yeah, it's cool. All right, so what's, so, Yeah. What's the connection with Alex, Alex? So, um, I was, my, 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 ex-girlfriend a while back made me watch a bunch of <laughs> Alex Honnold YouTube videos, okay. um, but before the free solo movie came out and they're just terrifying. Like I had a, a whole night of like, just drinking wine heavily as she's putting on YouTube video after another. And I'm thinking like, this guy's going to die, Yeah, you know? And so there is maybe a similarity with like Kurt, because like you see this Kurt Cobain thing that like, it felt like this could self-destruct right? right and then there's this thing with Alex Honnold there's a death wish there for sure
3: it's yeah.
2: apparent um, oh, yeah. but, but so I mean I was thinking about that kind of danger but the song somewhere as I was writing the lyrics I tried not, I try not to sometimes be too conscious about it uh, and this was one of those cases where I think it just took a left turn and it started being about my own teenage sexuality and I just let it rip Die.
3: Love, girls' press. I love rock and roll.
2: So there's all this stuff. I don't think he's actually, I think he's very kind of like, um, you know, I, I think he's a fairly kind of like a normal kid aside from this compulsion to you know, be right next to the, um, the death. Yeah. Um, you know, to just be up there without a rope. And I think that's fascinating. But then I don't know, I got obsessed with like the, the sexual feeling of teenagehood. I don't know why, as I was thinking about being young. So I, I went this other place, but it's probably more about me than it is about Alex Honnold. But it felt like it felt like it captured this feeling of like, like being like eh, free, you know? Okay. Like, and I feel like being unfeathered, and I'm not sure exactly what that means, but like, I know he's literally untethered, but yeah. I like this idea of being, um, either emotionally or like saying, so, you know, just, you know, this, this, that teenage feeling, I don't know how to, how to describe it otherwise.
1: Yeah. Do you guys play out a lot, play live as Demetas
2: very often? Um, we, we do. It's like, it's a functional thing. So like when, when Buttercup can't get the whole band together or we can't, um, and we've been using this drummer, Claire Rousset. Who's, she's an amazing drummer from San Antonio. Um, or Jason Garner, who plays with the Polyphonic Spree, comes oh, down okay. and plays with us. It's usually one of those two. But if we can't get the drummer or we or we can't get Odie, our bass player, because he's the, the rock of that band. Right. And uh, without that, then we just say, well, we could do it as demitasse. Um, okay. and, and, and it's you know very easy because we often perform just two acoustic guitars two vocal mics. That's it. Wow. You know, just super raw. Is- so we don't do Yeah. But we, we did like, we played um, a record release show here in San Antonio. You know, it's unfortunate because we actually did have a bunch of South by Demitas shows and oh, um, yeah. the whole, like, like everything's canceled. So like, you know, with the promotion, the tour, all the stuff that we were going to do uh, for this record is all on hold as we you know, like hunker down.
1: Are you guys going to do any live streams?
2: Yes. I, I, we, we have plans to do that. I mean, awesome. I, so I think I might have coronavirus. I mean, honestly. Yeah. Um,
1: my, yeah. My wife actually had to get tested for it last week. Yeah. So we're, yeah. we're, in, we're in quarantine right now. So that's what, right. I, I'm uh, hunkered down and i got nothing but time on my hands.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've got, I, I don't, it's not bad symptoms right now but uh, they are worrisome. So I don't want to be near Joe. I don't want to be near Odie or, I mean, I have been completely self like, yeah, the only person is my girlfriend and I in this house. Yep. And so that's yeah. good.
1: Cause um, I know my wife was, was uh, presenting with some symptoms. So we went to see her doctor and her doctor's like, I think you might have it. So we, uh, she got the swab up her nose and the doctor said, you know what, if she's got it, if, you, if we think we have it, you just, both of you just get quarantined, and uh, so we're sitting in our house. Our, fortunately, our kids are all teenagers, so they can take care of themselves. But, but uh, yeah, we're we're kind of holed up in our room for two weeks. Where are you, Mark? I'm uh, in Winchester, Virginia, just about 75 okay. miles west of DC. Okay. Home of Patsy Cline.
2: Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Winchester. So,
1: yeah, lo- oh, it's a great town. I love Winchester.
2: Wow. Yeah, we. I used to. I used to live in in, in well in Alexandria, Virginia. I know Alexandria. Exactly. and I was born in Bethesda, Maryland. Oh, really? So I lived in that area and lived in Virginia Beach. So I, there's four, or five times that I was in that area. Like my dad was military, back and forth. Oh, okay. Forth. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, so did you ever end up down to like Newport News area?
2: Man, I, I was eight. <laughs> the, the, the oldest I was when when I, we finally. Left uh, Alexandria, we came back to like sell the house. We've gone to South Carolina, Connecticut, and then you know, like New York, and then okay. I ended up out okay. in L.A.
1: Yeah, I lived down in a. Let's see, well, I was, I'm actually my dad was military, and uh, I was born on Fort Hood. And then, okay. we, yeah, we moved. He he PCSed out after Vietnam, and we moved to uh, New Jersey, then down to Virginia. Then uh, back up, let's see, Virginia, Virginia, then back up to New Jersey. Then I went to Upper State New York for college, went to RIT, back to New Jersey, then down to Alabama, then back up to Virginia. Wow. I think that's everything. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but we used to go to Alexandria all the time. I can't, I can't afford to live anywhere close to Alexandria right now, but, right. but uh, it's a beautiful area. I do have friends that work for the government that live in Alexandria. So I, apparently I did something wrong. Well, yeah. <laughs> I didn't get I mean, one of those awesome I, government jobs.
2: Yeah, I think at the time it was much more like, I mean, at least where I was in Alexandria, I was just like, you know, my, if my family could do it on that. Maybe <laughs> it was like, yeah, I remember oh, yeah, how yeah. I was, nothing, nothing super special, but it was um, I remember Charles Barrett. I think was the elementary school that I went to oh, um, and I would w- remember walking out. I've looked it up once on Google maps to see like, okay, that's, it, it seemed like this endless walk. So it's like literally like right around the corner and just go through this yard. I did the um, same
1: thing when we first moved back up here yeah. from Alabama. I said, well, I'll go find my old house. We found the old yeah. house. Okay. Like, Let's go find my old school. And I, I went to this one school. They've changed it up and now it's the same school. It's an old, old building. And, um, They closed the school. Like They did kindergarten through, I think, second grade in one school. Then you went to a a different school. And then they closed that kindergarten through second and opened up a whole other school. And I remember my brother having to go to that school. And it felt like such a long bus ride to go get him and then go to my school. And then when we came back up and visited, it was literally like a quarter of a mile.
2: Wow. It was ridiculous. They're so well, close. Yeah, you know, when, in childhood too, it's like I think our sense of time as children is so different. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's, you know, summer is endless. And I, and I think part of it is you're, you're so in the moment all the time. You're like a dog, you know, like you're just there.
1: I think you're right because if you think about it, when you're a kid, it took forever to get from Halloween to Thanksgiving to Christmas, and now it's just like, Oh my gosh! I've only got four weeks till Christmas.
2: Holy I know <laughs> you're like I, you know. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm like I'm going to be retired and getting like oh. like AARP magazines. You know, it's I like get it's, those.
1: <laughs> I don't know. What, I'm 46 and I get those. Hey,
2: you're, you're on your way, buddy. Hold on one second.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure.
2: I'm going to turn the, uh, this light on. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> yeah, i just got to get a little more light going. Oh, yeah. um, but uh, yeah, you know what I wanted to just venture out, Mark. Is I was just thinking, like everybody's quarantined right now. We have a song, "Leave the House," with a great video about being stuck in the house. Oh, really? That we put on for the last record, and I really think it is the new national anthem.
3: Sometimes you just don't wanna.
2: Um, I like that so you should check out our YouTube video for um, Demi Toss Leave the House and it's all filmed in my house
3: oh really you can see
2: yes Um, that's awesome uh, and it's it's like it's just my like I mean, it started with an idea that I had that like I would be pushing Joe around in a wheelchair and around in the house. That was oh, my you know whole what? vision.
1: I saw that yesterday. I was in, doing the research. I, I saw that yesterday, and you go. It ends up with him. You go have a party right. at, in the uh, in the little courtyard.
2: Yeah, we just like go outside, and there's all these people, and we're like. Yeah, and social. he gets up out of
1: the wheelchair, and just walks in.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought That and was so, great. Like, yeah. So leave the house. I think that's like kind of a special song for this time.
1: I think
3: you're right.
2: Yeah. I like it's scene. more about the agoraphobics who can't get up the will to leave, which is usually like our fan base,
1: I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's going to be the it. entire country at this point.
2: Right. right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So you were, you were talking about uh, another interview. Somebody had said that the songs were kind of sad. And, and I kind of, I, I was thinking about that as I was listening. And, and I definitely can see that viewpoint that they're sad, but not in like a pitiful or angry type of way. You know, it's, there's definitely hope in, in all the songs. It kind of, and I wrote this down so that I, I didn't, so I don't forget it. But to me, it sounds like you're accepting and maybe embracing whatever that sorrow is and understanding that it's not permanent.
2: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like, you're going to be on the floor for a while. Yeah, but you can get back up.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that's the exact feeling that I'm getting from the entire mm-hmm. album almost. I mean, and not all the songs are, are sad. Like the song, like uh, uh, Free Solo is not a sad sounding song.
2: No, I don't know. That's yeah. just rock and roll. Yeah, I mean, a- <laughs> I, get, I get to literally yell rock and roll, yeah. you know. Like, I mean, that's could be, a, yeah. I mean, like a foreigner song or something, you know. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh,
1: but I'll you tell know. you, my two favorites on the album are uh, Hope in the Dark and Coming Out Wrong Again. Oh, yeah. And they kind of sound like, like they could be like off, off a Jackson C. Frank album. Which, yeah. Oh, and, and, who I love and yeah. Musically, I hear maybe a little bit of, of influence, just musically, really, of, of like a Nick Drake.
2: Oh, totally. So those are coming out of Joe Reyes' brain. Wow. And let me tell you about Coming Out Wrong Again. He wrote that song like 23 years ago.
3: side but make no sound. It's coming out wrong again. It's coming out wrong again. It's coming
2: out my
3: feelings foul.
2: And so, yes, and, and and that song has been kicking around, and it was honestly, it's a chord monster. It's um like a Burt bacharach type chord progression okay. that, that it, 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 and there are a lot of jazz chords that are built into that song. So like something like Bacharach, Amy Mann, or something, you know, this Nick Drake would be a great example too. His, his song, some of his songs are actually like. Cool to be kind is is tough to play. It's actually like it's it's a chord monster, and um, that song is particularly one. It was beyond the abilities of Buttercup at the time. We wanted to do the song, but we would just kill it every time. And you know, and it wasn't Joe doing that. I mean, he knew the song inside it out, but but the rest of us would just mess it up. And it just it seemed wrong to play that song. It needed to be done right, and um, so it's kind of sat there. And there have been a couple of times where we thought like let's put this on a buttercup record let's do this and i just pushed this album i was like that song would fit let's do it now and we we did it fast he actually had to drop the key from where he had played it originally you know Ah, 25 years ago so we played it it's in b flat so for me to learn that that actually took me like a week to learn it on the piano because it was all the chords are chords
1: well it's it's beautiful it's it's one of my favorite songs on the album i absolutely love it
2: i did too and he sang it he he was actually kind of sick if you hear his voice is kind of cracking yeah. it's really intimate um and that's just how it is i love it and yeah i flamenco. love that one
1: and like you mentioned flamenco is just it's a, it's a great opener i love that that's yeah it's a wonderful now uh you, you've done a lot of stuff through kickstarter
2: yeah how on did, this record we did that yeah
1: how did how was that experience for you
2: it was so good. Um, we did, you know, of course, we we do a Kickstarter like when um, crowdfunding is dead. Like, <laughs> like we, we, we decide to do this years later. But um, it just, we've had a, a patron in San Antonio that has put out the last, really the last three albums, the last Buttercup record, uh, Battle of Flowers in, in 2017. And then they, they put out the t- 2014 um, Toss record the first one, Blue Medicine, and then they put out Power Couple, and we just didn't feel like that they should have to shoulder the burden of putting out another record, yeah. or didn't feel comfortable at asking. They probably would have just said yes, but um, it uh, we we went ahead and um, and did this Kickstarter, and it was amazing. It was great. And yeah. So we, we you know we got all this, we got more money than we had asked for. Yeah, I we, saw that. We were able, yeah, we were able to like make the record make a beautiful record it's um make it on vinyl and then have some little you know cds and then also make videos we made a video for flamenco um that we did fast and furious we actually recorded it at the um at uh public access television studios it's in city hall they have like a 20 million dollar studio in there it's crazy it's, it's it's incredible but anyway we you can just sign up and use it. So we're going to do Buttervision, where we do a like, Hey, i love that name. Television, a psychedelic variety show, at on, on public access. And and so we released Flamenco. actually came out first on public access television, that was a world release. And then we just put it on the internet. Um, but that, uh, we're going to do another video for the, um, we'll probably do, um, next, um, I think the little bomb boy song we have a whole like oh, nice. like because it's got that kind of like south Texasy y tex-mex kind of uh ripping flamenco guitar on it yeah and so we've got a whole like cowboy thing we're going to do like vaquero
1: he's uh yeah. Alejandro de hoyo's going to be doing that yeah. as well
2: yeah he's going to help us do that we're going to go out to comfort texas but we have to get out of this We'll quarantine first, but once oh, yeah. that happens, yeah. we're going to make a, a pretty cool, fun video.
1: How did you hook up with him? Cause he's, he's won Emmys, hasn't he?
2: Yes. And he's been, um, like he's our, our new, the documentarian that we needed all along. That's awesome. And, um, he, he actually, you know, the first thing that Buttercup ever put out was a DVD. Uh, it was a document of a, a performance. We did an art piece where we, we, um, put four television monitors in the bottom of four 55-gallon um, uh, oil drums. Oh. So we like, they were like these oil drums. And so the crowd came, one of those Crackle Monday performances, expecting to see the band on a stage that we had built. And all the, the, the place is completely empty. Everything's removed, and there's just four trash cans in the middle of the room. And each trash can in the bottom is a television monitor facing up. And then as they walked around, it was a cold, cold San Antonio day, like near free, freezing, maybe, wow. you know, like 30, 30, degrees or something. So everybody's in This is like an old warehouse. Um, so there's excuse me. They're looking down in these barrels with their breath coming out and the light shining up and on each monitor, though, they looked like homeless people gathered around looking <laughs> down into the burning like cans. Yeah. yeah. And. The each feed, each barrel had a television monitor. Each one had one of our faces on it. So one had mine, one had Odie's, one had Joe Reyes, and one had a Jamie Rodman, the drummer. And then we performed and we played songs and they could hear us. And there were speakers in the room, but they couldn't see us, except if they looked down in the barrels. Oh, and we were running live feeds. We were actually up in a loft in this big, it was an old grocery store. Okay. And we had put a scrim in front of us with a bunch of lights so that eventually people started to figure out like, I think they're up there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, we were actually in the room with them, but we were kind of hidden. And, and so we, we did a, a DVD or like a, that was our first thing before we made a record or anything. We did this performance. We were we were out there. And so, because um, we were so heavy into the performance. So Alejandro De Hoyos was at, the we went to, they went to a film festival somewhere and he had something that he had, um, put into that film festival. Okay. I think it was called like the golden shower film festival or something like that. And, um, (laughs) very important, prestigious and family friendly. Yeah. I see that. And, um,
1: he had some video.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so he, um, he had some piece and, um, there and he saw ours and he was like, I, he became a fan that day. And then, you know, he was running with, um, the San Antonio Spurs, like the, the basketball team, yeah. um, like their documentary documentarian for a long time, like the chief camera guy. Okay. And he still does some work for them here and there. And, uh, so like, you know, he was very busy and we always, when we run into each other once every five, six years, he would be like, I'm going to make a video for you. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and then I ran into him once again and I was like, we were doing that. And he did the leave the house video. I said, what do we do this video? And he's like, but you want to do it tomorrow? And I said, let's do it tomorrow. Hey, why I've not? Got an idea. I've got an idea. We can do it all in my house. And he's like, perfect. I'm like, we just need a wheelchair. And he said, I got one. And <laughs> uh...
1: <laughs> yeah. I got one of those.
2: And, and, and then I realized that, you know, so we talked about like our, our workflow in Demi and in Buttercup is very, very fast. Like, uh, when we, when we record a song, we like to get, I mean, there's different ways that, that bands will do it. Like I think Radiohead probably builds it and gets it perfect. You know, it yeah. sounds like there's not a thing that's out and it's wonderful and that's the way they record. And we are, do not do that. <laughs> we do um, like more like the Neil Young snapshot, Version. It's it's a Polaroid. You, yeah. you you take. That's what happened, and so then it reveals uh, all the flaws, and you're stuck with some of those things, um, and those choices are just there, and you just move on. I mean, it's not a hundred percent there. We're not recording into a like wax that's burning live. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're not. Right. I mean, we're, we'll overdub things. We do all that stuff, but it's it, in general we do it very very fast. Alejandro is the only person I know that's faster than us. Really, it's like we recorded that first half of that Leave the House video. So it's two pieces. You noticed, like the inside during the day mm-hmm. and the outside at night. Yes, that was all done in one day, and we wow. did it in the morning. We did the morning piece by um, noon because we want to get the morning light. Yeah, and he was running around like like spraying like uh, like fake fog out of a can from like Party City, yeah. <laughs> you know. And, <laughs> he captured this light and I went down to take a nap because it was early morning for me. And Joe did the same. He went home and, uh, he said by 7 PM, we, I'd invited my accountant and my friends and all these people to come (laughs) to the house to have a party. Whoever gets to be in the video, like uh, Gary Sweeney, the artist is in it. Um, all these like cool people showed up, um, a couple musicians. Um, but by, 7 p.m. By like five, I, I get a, a message from him, Alejandro, and he had the rough cut of the whole front of the end of the video was done. Oh my god! I and mean, it was like it was perfect, and he was so fast. He just went and started editing. Wow! And he he says that he works that way on purpose. That he um because with when you take so many takes and safety takes and all these things like with with making a film, yeah, that he and rather than take notes of like what, what this is, this is, that is, he can remember for about 24 hours, everything. Wow. And so he can, he can just go and think it was the second take of this one. It was the third take of, and he can just, but he has to do it then. Otherwise it's gone and he'll have to go through hours and hours of watching pieces over and over and writing notes. Yeah, This one, that one, which I've seen, you know, That's how most people work. Yeah. But so he does this other thing and he's, he's also crazy and just doesn't sleep. (laughs) So um, he gets these, these, these really fast pieces. And so I think his workflow with ours works great and we can both go very, very fast.
1: That's Um, fantastic.
2: Yeah. Flamenco was done in a a you know, we, we, we did the filming of it in a few hours. He had it edited by the evening.
1: Man, that is incredible. You know,
2: I gave him some notes that night, like, you know, I think this, 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 but I generally trust him. He changed a couple things. Wow. You know, and it was done.
1: That's amazing. You know, it's, it's, and it's good work. It's not like it's shoddy. It's just quick to get it done. It's, it's, the
2: quality is beautiful. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, I think the fundamental truth is you're going to make the same decision. It's just like, are you going to just belabor the decision or are you just going to make it? I mean, yeah. I, I feel like it's almost like the, the military guys, Richard Feynman. I was reading Richard Feynman, the physicist, talking about work on the atom bomb. He's like, know, yeah, I got some respect for these military guys because they just like, they get the information. They're like, Okay, this is the positives, the negatives. Okay, well, let's not invade or let's invade, yeah. you know, or whatever they have to do. Yeah. They have to make the decision. They're just like, Okay, like, um, you're going to make the decision eventually and we like, agonize over it. Um, and so he was like, You know, the stakes are much lower. We're not, no one's going to get killed by like whether we put in the first shot or the second shot, or if we use the the, you know the the slow version of the song or the faster version,
1: right?
3: right.
2: Just pick it's better that you just don't think.
1: Yeah, (laughs) the more more you
2: think, the more you stink. To quote Neil Young. that's That's great, (laughs) you You know, know? make the decision
1: and move on to the next
2: one. Right. yeah. And then you're trapped. You're boxed in. Go on, move on. Let it go. It'll help you make the next decision. Yeah, and I'm not going to sit around listening to my own records over and over anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know?
1: Exactly. So, let that. Let your fans do that.
2: Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So they, they, they can suffer through those bad decisions. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you mentioned doing shows as art pieces and all. When when you do that, is that something that's uh, not, I mean you guys obviously plan it ahead of time, but when mm-hmm. somebody comes to see a Buttercup show, do they are they aware that it's going to be a performance show or if it's going to be a just a regular show? Is there any clue ahead of time?
2: The, the if they if they've seen us before or they've heard the word on the street, they know something's up. Yeah. And something's <laughs> going to happen. They don't know what it is. I mean, we we did a show in November for the Day of the Dead, November 1st, and so in San Antonio there's big you know, a big production. So I died on stage and Ooh. Odie, um, he resurrected me with some, like he, he took two like power sanders and made them look like defibrillating paddle paddles. He tied them to like, with like curly cords to a laptop and he acted the whole thing out. I mean, it was ridiculous. It looked like something that like, um, like King Crimson would do or something, oh, you know? So it was a big stage in this big Like there was a big festival. Um, so it was fun and the lighting was excellent and the like this like the stage crew kind of knew what was going on like so they we did this whole piece and they like put all the fog at that time and stuff it was cool but it was ridiculous like i died and then got you know came back
1: have you guys had had, ever had something that you thought was just too far and you're like we can't do that
2: yeah yeah
1: yeah (laughs)
2: and we've done things that we think, well, we're we'll never going to do that again. Oh, um, but uh, I mean, we did, we did a show in Austin, a theater in Austin, where um, I, uh, I was in a box of like a cardboard box. Okay. And, and then um, the band came out first, and Odie played for a while and then sang, and then Joe sang for a while. And then they went off and they pushed me out off like on a skateboard or something in a big box. And I was in the box. For a long time. And I was in there, um, slowly poking holes and then like things were coming out of the box. I was throwing things and then like, and then they put a microphone in there and I sang some songs inside the box and, and I had the smart idea of, of lighting up and I wanted to blow smoke out of the box. Okay. And so, I got hotboxed in that thing. It just was all crap. And I've never been so high in my life. Um, and, um, and, uh, I, um, I, it was just insane. So I came out and and we were at this theater. So I had grabbed like, uh, the clothes that were like behind the stage, you know, they had like, so I had this like sequin dress on with like, these big reflective glasses and there was like this like just crazy white lighting on and I was all reflective and I couldn't, I couldn't move. I couldn't even feel my hands or my feet, you know? (laughs) And I I just sat there like just staring and the guys were like waiting for me to sing. I mean, that was like, that was rough, but yeah, we that that was an idea that went south, you know? (laughs) That would have been an amazing show to be at though. Yeah, it was. And I remember like, uh, there were a couple people there. The guys from Ghostland Observatory were there, and so was um, the guys from Flat Fastball were there. And Oh, cool! And so, like, we had some cool, like, friends there and like badass bands. And I couldn't fucking move. I couldn't open my mouth. I just stared at them. <laughs> <laughs> was bad. That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that was us. That was us at our prime. But so, you know, we have like these, we like, I, I love that the band has always been like, Odie, Joe are these incredible, like, and myself included. We're like, I feel like we're these one single minded soldiers. And, and actually, you know, we made a, a rule, is based on the Beatles after Jamie left the band. We thought about it and we said, like, we're not going to do anything ever again unless we have a unanimous vote. And, and not like a majority rules. Like it's we all have to be completely behind it. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. But I think before Jamie left, that was a mistake because we would do a majority vote and that like doesn't, that can breed dissent. Yeah. You know, you get three people vote yes, one person's not comfortable with it and we make them do it. Yeah, You know, and it's like yeah, so we, we all, and the thing is that like there has not there's, actually, there's been stuff where like somebody's not comfortable for some ethical reason or something. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't think that's. And then we usually we all kind of like figure that out okay. as a one mind. But in general, it's like it, it feels like a band of yes. Both Buttercup, demitas. I mean, Demitasse. We we've been performing. It's all of Buttercup that's playing. Uh, you know, when we do full band shows, it's Buttercup. Right. It's Claire on drums. It's Odie on bass. Um, and we've been using this guy Chris Madden. Um, who's been playing with both bands on, on keys and it's it's just like so fun and mm-hmm. and um, it, the only you know the difference is that in Demi we wear a suit you know I mean like <laughs> and That's we're true. maybe a little, a little bit more restrained yeah. but
1: um, well, it makes me want to come see a Buttercup show
2: oh yeah I want you to
1: that would be yeah. amazing if I can ever get down to San Antonio I would definitely definitely yeah. do you guys ever play outside the area
2: we don't tour much anymore um, yeah. but we we you know the last time that we we, we did a West Coast tour, um, but we need to come out to Virginia.
1: That'd be awesome, man.
2: You know, I mean Demi toss. We came out to New York and Connecticut and um, DC's got some great
1: places to play.
2: Yeah, I know.
1: And they're really to open to to uh, you know artistic bands.
2: I know. We need to come out there. That would be I amazing. Mean, I, I love- I'll bring my camera.
1: I may not be Alejandro de Hoyos, but I'm a pretty good photographer. Went to college for it. Oh,
2: I bet. Yeah, (laughs) take some pictures. Show us what you've got.
1: Look, man, I've kept you for about an hour, man. I'll I'll let you have the rest of your night. But I wanted to thank you so much for spending some time with me. Tell me uh, some of the -the behind-the-scenes stories of of, of Demetaz because it's just such a cool album. And it uh, it makes it, knowing the stories behind the songs makes it even better to me.
2: Cool, man. I'm, I'm glad that we were able to have that time.
1: Where can uh, where can people find the album? Where can they follow you guys on social media for both bands?
2: Okay. So uh, it's wearebuttercup.com. Okay. be the best way to stay in touch with us. And if you sign up, like, you know, subscribe to the email, that's probably the best way we can get in contact with you. Cool. Um, and there's wearedemitas.com is the other website. They're both connected. Okay. Um, and uh, either way, you'll find us there. But that's the easiest. We are dennytoss dot com,
1: and that'll have uh, links that's to your social media accounts on the website.
2: Yeah, all of that sure. stuff. So you'll find us on Instagram and all that other stuff.
1: Awesome. Well, I, mean, I recommend yeah. everybody check this album out because no matter what you're listening to, it's a little bit different, and it's it's, mm-hmm. it's a fantastic change from whatever whatever the hell you're listening to because it's because of the rawness to it. It's sure. I, I absolutely love it.
2: Well, it, thank you. It, I think it, it, you know, for sure, it sounds like us. <laughs> and so, which, what other choice do we have? Because yes. that's who we are. Exactly.
1: Oh, you know? well, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate you spending so much time with me this evening.
2: No, I had a blast, man. It was a fun conversation. I need it, man. I'm holed up all along. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm 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 up. My wife is laying down behind me right now. I recorded in my room, so... In, in our,
2: oh, which is now our sick room. So, yeah, I hope she feels better. Thanks, man. Um, thanks, you know, I hope, uh, yeah, it's just, I, I mean, I'm feeling weird. There's these weird things happening, you know, it's the cough.
1: Well, I'm hoping this, you're okay.
2: Uh, yeah, I, yeah, me too. I mean, I hope, I, I just don't want to spread it to anybody, you know?
1: Yeah, tell me about yeah, it. Now. When we
3: fit ourselves against the black. And swords and plowshares just won't hack We've gotta seize the day and go fight the war Cause just to live's not given anymore But I don't believe the dark for when, but I don't believe that we are getting in when we fill our minds with plastic dreams, ignoring stars and real movies. The golden egg that eased our lives Was venom that could paralyze But I don't believe The dark, will land, the wind no, I don't believe that we I don't believe The dawn will ever win But I do believe
0: Achieve the American dream, the big house, the happy family, the money. What's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat?
3: Would they shop? Would I shop?
0: Would you kill?
3: Yes. <laughs> my mom
0: my mom my From Airship